0: Good morning, this is Jules, host and creator of our story, Our Voice. And it has been a minute since I have done one of these. It's it's been a long time. I believe the last one that I did was in Halloween, really close to Dia de los Muertos. And, um, you know, as As you become an adult, and and if you have family, or if you just have your life, um, you just get so busy, and that's what's been going on with me. I've, you know, going back to school uh, as an adult, trying to get my doctorate degree, just really has taken up so much time and then work. And um, but I will definitely try to make more of these and be more consistent. Just need to find that. Rhythm again, and um, actually, not just the rhythm, but probably even the inspiration to to do a podcast. I've learned that you can't just come on and freestyle it. Maybe every so often that is okay, but you definitely have to prep and plan to have good content and to have a good conversation, or just to be able to have a good show and I can't make any promises all I could promise is that I will try to be more consistent and um, the goal is still to grow the podcast I always go back and I listen to to the prior shows and I was so there the prior shows were not good at all but that's okay you know that is all right And um, that's how you become better. And I will still be doing this podcast. I just can't promise that it will be as consistent as I was prior to going to school and just, you know, getting busy. But for today's episode, I wanted to dedicate it to a very special. Person who has impacted so many lives and so let me just jump right into it I get a phone call on uh, November 11th 2021 and it's my best friend calling me to give me some bad news at first I thought you know what else is going on, you know, in her life because she just had her father passed away. And I would hate to know that something else horrible was going on. And I could tell that she had been crying. And she, um, she she cleared up her voice and she said, um, You know, I I have some bad news for us. And I was just like, for us, she said, you know, our um, Coach Aggie um, called me and informed me that Coach Frickle has passed away. And I wasn't shocked. I was like, no, that that has to be wrong. That that has to be wrong, Tanya. I I you know thought, and she started to cry, and she said, you know, um, when they to- when he told me, um, you know, they it was just um, unexpected. I won't go into details because I don't know the full details but the main detail that I do know is that um, coach frickle's not here anymore and some people could say well you know people die all the time you know people die all the time and Frickle lived a good life and you know <clears throat> It's expected, you know, he's there, he's at the age where, you know, all of these things come up and, no. Thurko would have been, and the the thing about this whole situation is that his birthday was um, that Sunday, I believe, and he, he was gonna turn 67. Frickle was still very young. I'm going to tell you who Frickle was and why his passing has been so difficult to so many that he coached and so many that he befriended and so many that he came across. I met Coach Frickle through Coach Aggie. Every time that you think of Coach Frickle, you think of Coach Aggie, unless you're from the area from your from Chino. And I started thinking about my relationship with Frickle, the teacher and student and athlete, and then eventually friend relationship, and how how special it was and why it was so special and, and how lucky and blessed I was to have had such a beautiful mentor with me for four years. But none of that would have happened if I would have never met Coach Aggie. I met Coach Aggie in the seventh grade. He wasn't my teacher, my PE teacher, up until the eighth grade. And Coach Aki is cool, hip teacher that all the 7th and 8th graders had many crushes on. I never did. Because I'm in my head I'm thinking that he's too old. He's like a dad. And so when girls would come up to me and they're like, oh my God, he's so cute. He's so this," And I'm thinking, yeah, right. The guy in fourth period or the guy in our PE class. And they're like, no, you no. Know, um, Coach Aguilera, I was like, I'm an RPE teacher? You guys think he's hot? Gross. <laughs> I always think that's funny because, you know, I never thought of Coach Aggie like that, you know. Not saying that he wasn't good looking, just that I didn't see him that way because he was an older man and um, we were so young. And um, I remember in the seventh grade, <clears throat> Although I, I, I didn't have him in the seventh grade as a PE teacher, I had Mr. Strykula. So for who, for anyone who, who listens to my podcast and, and is from my hometown in Chino, I'm sure one of you guys had Mr. Strykula. But anyhow, every week we will do the mile. And it was graded. And the expected time was, you know, it should take at least 12 minutes. If you're walking and you're talking and you're not really doing anything, it should take up to 12 minutes to finish that course if you're walking it. <clears throat> I always felt that, well, if I can do good in my other classes, I have to at least get an A and PE. It's the easiest class to get an A besides lunch. And they don't grade lunch. So I remember asking Mr. Strykula, what is the best time that I could get? He goes, well, as long as you make it under 12, you're good. I'm a 12 watt. He goes, 12 minutes. I'm a perfect. How long is it? He goes, it's a mile. I'm like, okay. I hardly ever had tennis shoes. It was something that my parents just could not afford to buy me. But I always had sandals, right? I I always had sandals. And so that day... I was like, okay, I put on my PE clothes and I ran the mile. And I think the first time that I ran the mile was like seven minutes. And they were like, whoa, you know, I came right behind these two other girls who were like way in front of me. You know, they were like a whole minute. And, you know, when you're running, um, you don't realize how much time, what time is and how important it is, even seconds, right? Even if you improve two seconds, like, wow, that's amazing. So anyone who's a runner understands that. And I remember when I came in third place, um, he, here comes Coach Aggie, or P.E., you know, Mr. Aguilera. That's what we would call him in junior high. He's all, wow, what's your name? And I'm like, Ornella, I'm Julia. He goes, all right. He looked up my first name, he didn't call me Julie, he called me Arnelas he goes, well, good job Ornella you know, very good runner, he's like, and you ran in your sandals, imagine what you can do if you have um, actual um, running shoes, I didn't know what that meant, I'm thinking I just want the grade um, as time went on I got better and better, but I still didn't have the proper running shoes uh, until I had asked my parents, you know I need tennis shoes because I'm running in PE, and it's just easier. And you know, winter's coming. I just need running shoes, and my parents went ahead and bought me a pair of running shoes that were supposed to last me up until I got into high school. But you know, I I I was a teenage, I was a kid that was growing, and you know, I have big feet. (laughs) That's the reality. It's not sexy. Maybe someone out there might think so, but anyhow, they buy me the running shoes. And when you're a kid, like 13 and 12, you really believe that it's the shoe that made you faster. My shoes were from my shoes were from Kmart, I think. You know, just tennis shoes. And I was just so happy and, and I was excited because I I was curious to see how much faster. I will get with running shoes because Mr. Aguilera said so. And he had been wanting to get me to um, be part of the running team that he had created at at Magnolia Junior High. I just could never do it because I needed to get home. Um, My parents were really strict. I just, they just wouldn't let me. And I wasn't asking either because I just didn't want to get a no. So although I never asked, I didn't want to ask because of the, you know, of the problem that it may cause or it may bring an, an extra cost to the home, right? So those were the things that I thought about. And so I get the shoes. Thank God, finally. And I go from seven, min- from seven minutes to like 6.40 and then 6.30. And I think I maintain um, like 6.20, 6.15 between the 7th grade and the 8th grade. And the other girls have gotten so much better too. And I just can't remember their names. I know one of them was called, she was Rachel. And the other one was called Paula. They were both... Latina runners, you know. They they went from being like regular girls to little cholitas, you know, little home girls. They were trying to get me into that club. But I was like, uh -uh." I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. I cannot be part of that club. No way. No way. You know, but they were such great runners. And Aggie had a lot of focus in them. And I did too, and um, so the eighth grade comes, and Coach Aggie is recruiting hard for for high school. He's just recruiting so hard to get um, to build this team, right? This this dream team that he will always talk about. He was really excited because he had recruited Paula and Rachel, and I can't remember their last name, so I apologize and i knew the girls and they were like S- 6 minutes i think the other girl was like a 548 just like running crazy fast in the 8th grade but you know their ambition and their interest was something else you know when you get when you're in be- when you're preteen and then you become a teenager there's just so many different distractions that I could see how easily a teenager could go left or right and you hope that whichever direction you go that you're going the right way that you're going the, that you're going in the right direction. And so I had the same um, destiny I, I could go left or right. And I believe, because I've always been a little bit different, I believe that I chose... Actually, I didn't choose um, Mr. Aguilera, who would eventually become Coach Aggie. (sighs) Um, He selected my path for me. And one summer, um, he... He saw me, and he's like, Ornelas, get in the ca- get in the car." And anyone is gonna listen to this, and you're thinking like, "Why would a 13 year old get in a stranger's car?" By all, a teacher, regardless if they knew them, and that was just the the trust that people had towards Aggie. You know, Coach Aggie just wasn't a teacher that commuted. To Magnolia Junior High, to his job, or he commuted to Chino High. Coach Aggie was from the community. Um, parents from the community knew him. He went to high school with with some people from the community. He went to. I'm gonna say that he probably even went to the elementary, to the junior high, and to the high school. All the all the schools that I went to, Coach Aggie went to. So he he is a product of of the community who made it out. And and became a teacher. And, you know, he did sports in Chino High. You know, he's exactly like my best friend who's doing everything at her city. You know, that's Coach Aggie. And Coach Aggie was like, Ernela, let's get in the car. I'm going to take you home and I'm going to talk to your father. You have a great talent. You need to be part of this dream team that I'm putting together. But I have a feeling that the other two girls that I've recruited... um, It's not going to happen because they have, um, they had gone pregnant, so it wasn't going to happen. And he was so bummed out and he was just so disappointed, but he's like, but you're still available. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get pregnant. I can't even talk to guys. (laughs) And coach Aggie, um, drives me home and, you know, I get out and he's like, you know, go, go call your dad. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, this teacher's going to talk to my dad. I, I don't even I don't even remember ever hearing him speak in Spanish, so I'm going to have to translate. Oh, no. So it just got really stressful. So I, I went and I called my dad, and I said, Dad, you know, in Spanish, um, my teacher wants to speak to you. And my dad was looking at me like, what the hell did you do? Like, he couldn't believe it. He thought I had done something, although I'm his favorite. But, you know, he gives that look regardless. He um, comes out and, you know, Coach Aggie, (laughs) and he's like, hola, senor, hey, how's it going? You know, like if there was a party going on and he goes and he, you know, puts his hand out and he shakes my dad's hand. He goes, oh, you know, so how are you doing? Never got to meet you. Uh, I, I was your daughter's PE teacher, great student. You don't have to worry about it. She didn't do anything wrong. But I'm here because I want to tell you that your daughter has an, an amazing talent, an amazing talent. And my dad was just kind of like, you know, stone face. And Aggie was just being himself, you know. And needless to say, um, he was, it took so much to convince my father to get me to run. It was like if I was trying to, I don't know, like like if the USA, like if the U.S. military was trying to take me away at a young age or something, you know. And I, I get it. My dad was um, he was a very he was not a trusting man whatsoever, especially with with his daughter and the youngest of you know. On top of that. You know, her job is to be here at the house. To do what? To do nothing. That's what I'm thinking. And, you know, I think at one point, Coach Aggie was like, you know, why would you just want her here when she has a great talent to run? And my parents didn't understand about talent and um, about running. You know, those two things didn't make sense to them. I was, I will be wasting time. You know, they didn't understand like, what that meant, right? They didn't understand what that culture meant. Although my father was an avid athlete at the time when he was younger, I think, um, if anything, he tapped into that. And then after over an hour, probably in two, um, Coach Aggie was like, I'm, you could just tell that. light bulb turned on he's like wow this man is not he's not gonna let this girl run she has to run coach Aggie was determined to advocate for me and, and for the talent that he saw and for the greatness that he saw you know he saw something and he was fighting for that you know and so finally he pretty much just said look Bottom line, if your daughter doesn't do something, and if she just goes to high school, high school is is could be dangerous. She could join a gang, she could become a chola, or who knows, even get pregnant. I was just recruiting these two young girls. They're right, they're around the same age as your daughter, and they are currently pregnant right now. They can't even go to high school because they're pregnant. My dad looked at me like, you better not even think about it. And I'm thinking, oh shit, you know? I'm like, I'm gonna get in trouble. And Aggie looked at me like, I got your, like this convinced him. And yeah, that's, that is exactly what convinced my father. He did not want his youngest daughter to become a gangster or to get knocked up. And so, um, coach Aggie was like, we start training, you know, I want to say like, Around the end of July, they would cheat just a little bit and for sure August. And so be prepared, you know, when you have, you know, he was just telling me, make sure that you're running um, consistently. And so he recruited me and my best friend, Tanya. And so the time came when we had to go into the high school and train with a group of pe- with this group of, of high schoolers. And we were freshmen going in. And he tells me, you know, when you get to high, school, when you get to Chino High, um, they're going to be towards the back of the track. Just, you know, go through the back of the, you know, of the bleachers, the parking lot's in the back. And you're going to see this white man with a straw hat, with a clipboard. Um, Go there and let them, let him know that you're going to be running. That you're there to, to practice. My best friend and I get there and... We didn't see Coach Aggie, so we freaked out. We're like, oh my God, where's, where's Coach Aggie? Why is he here? And um, the man with the straw hat was um, Mr. Dave Frickle, or Coach Frickle. And we were like, hi, you know, I'm I'm Julia, and this is Tanya. Where's Coach Aggie? And Frickle's like, oh, he won't be here. Um, he won't be here today, but he'll be here tomorrow. We're like, oh, Okay. He goes, so go and warm up without looking at us, but he was always looking. (gasps) Although Coach Frickle never looked up at you, but he was looking at you. That was one of his greatest, greatest gifts. And my best friend and I were like, go run in the track. (sighs) Okay, so we go, and there's a lot of people there, people who I still know today, you know, I remember um, Robert, I remember Dan Strong, I remember James, I remember Nicole, Natasha, Sonia, um, Elizabeth Lomelli, who's now Liz Gomez, Jenny Ruderman, Randy Velarde, There was just so many more people. You know, that day these are the people who who I knew, who I could Remember who were there that first day. There's a lot of people. Huge crowd. And so my best friend and I go and we do two laps, and on the third lap we just decided that we were gonna go home. This wasn't for us, so we go home. And that was that. The next day <laughs> I see Coach Aggie with Tanya. And I was like, Oh shit. And he's like, Young lady, you're in trouble. Why did you guys go home? We're like, um, uh, He's all, we're going to go back. You're going to apologize to Coach, you know, Coach Frank will do it. I'm um, well, he told on us. He's all, he didn't have to. You guys weren't there. I asked. He's like, oh, they went home. How was that? I was like, oh, I'm like, how embarrassing. So we get there and we're like, hi, hi, Coach. He's like, hey, ladies, what happened yesterday? You know, with his little infamous smile that we all know and the little side look we're like um we went home (laughs) and he's like yeah okay and i felt like oh man you know well here we are let's just do this and that first um practice um if you're if you're a runner and if you're familiar with chino you know, Chino Hills is nothing like, I remember when I was younger, when I was like a teenager and Chino Hills was just nothing but hills and there was no homes, no shopping centers, no nothing. It was just a hill and they took us to this one, um, to this one course that's um, Aerojet, all uphill. And it was, you know, I had been running, but you know, when you're that young, you just have, you just have the resistance and you have the energy, you know, when you're that young, you don't realize how much energy you have when you're young. And we ran and Tanya and I were able to keep up with, with the varsity team. And, you know, Aggie was really impressed and so much coach, coach Fricko, and we we maintained with the with the girls varsity team all through high school i mean all through that summer i know that some of the girls were kind of like you know giving us the 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 look like you bitch (laughs) here comes these incoming freshmen you know keeping up with us when we you know we're the sophomores or we're the seniors you know and um when we got there that summer, a huge chunk of their girls had left. So they were really, Coach Aggie was really hoping for Paula and Rachel for those two other girls, but they but they ended up getting pregnant. He was really hoping for them to come in. And that was gonna be, you know, the dream team, but it was me, Tanya, Liz, and Jenny. And I even believe it was Nicole. She was a junior. And um, Natasha, so we were all part of the same team. But I guess the team that had left before us, they were just like dynamic. Still didn't win um, state. You know, we never won state neither. But I remember after running Errol Jed, um, Coach Frickle comes up to me and he's like, um, how long have you been running? I'm like 7th and 8th grade for um, <laughs> every Wednesday. He's a, that's That's been your training. Um, and I'll run home, but that's because I didn't want to get in trouble. And so my practice had been every day after school running home. So I could just be at home because, you know, I, I didn't want my parents to think that I was just like out there. Doing whatever. Those were those were my fears, my insecurities. So I would run home. I would walk every so often, but for the most part, I would I would run home. You know, I was constantly like just moving. And he's like, "Wow, okay. Did you train over the summer?" I'm like, "Nope." He's like, all right. And that was that. You know, that that was my introduction to um, to running. I remember at one point, um, I think I had already been like two weeks in, and um, Coach Frick, Coach Frickle comes up to me. He's like, so how, are you feeling? how do you feel about running? And I said, well, I, I think this is not for me. And um, I, I feel that I'm most needed at home. And so I'm, I'm going to quit. I, I don't think I'm going to continue. It's not something that I want to do. And... This, this is the wonderful man that we just lost said to me and he tricked me too he said look train the whole summer um, you're going to be running at the Cal Poly Invitational I'll put you in the JV and if you like how you do then you can make your decision then but just re- experience your first race and then make a decision I'm a deal I was a sucker. He, he convinced me to train the whole summer. The whole summer. Of course I was going to do good. I did better than good. I actually... I think I came in like second. And it was because it was JV. And he knew what he was doing. He could have put me in varsity. Because I, became, I, was, I was in varsity. But he put me in JV. Because he wanted me to experience winning. And what and how... I would feel about winning and how good it was going to make me feel. So Coach Frickle, you knew exactly what you were doing. And I thank you for that. And so the story that I just said, um, everyone has the same story about Coach Frickle, different. But it all has the same tone, all of it. All of it has the same tone, the same energy. Coach Frickle passed away. November 11th of 2021. He didn't get to see his 67th birthday. And my my heart goes out to his family, to his wife and to his two daughters. You know, just really a a wonderful man who, who just changed everything, who changed people's future. You know, if it wasn't because of Coach Aggie insisting, you know, for me to become a runner, advocating for me, fighting for me to become a runner, I would have never have met Coach Frickle. And his funeral was November 29th. It was this past, this Monday. And if... I was to say that that was the hardest day, it would be an understatement. You know, I try not to cry so much on these podcasts because I'm not a good crier. I sound ugly. I can't talk. My voice goes up in a high-pitched tone. But it's, it's, it's been hard. You know, I'm sure it's been really hard for Maria, his wife, and his two daughters, Kristen, <clears throat> and Casey. My heart goes out to you because you, you experienced him as a father, you know. And I might get a lot of beef for this, for saying this. Although I have my father, and I love my father very much. Coach Frickle was a second father to me. He, he he did he took care of us. He took care of his athletes. He talked to them. He he encouraged them. You know, I wouldn't be the person that I am today because of Coach Aggie and Coach Frickle for having that mentorship. Everybody who, who went to his funeral, everyone who went there, these two men changed our lives. And Coach Freckle was one of them. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that he's no longer here. But, you know, I just want Coach Freckle to know that I'm so thankful for him. And there is no way... That I could ever repay him for giving me the experience of feeling great because of running. For giving me the experience of understanding what a good man is. For giving me the experience and the aspiration to to be great and to move forward, and to stay focused, and, and to go to college, you know. I was lucky enough to, ha- to have had Coach Frickle and Coach Baggy to mentor me all through high school. They both mentored very differently, but they were there. They were a huge part of my life, and they still are. I, I just, the only regret that I have is not seeing him often but and I'm going to end I'm going to end it with this I went back to school because it was something that I always wanted to do and when I had doubt about going back for my doctorate degree I could hear Coach Frickle my head you could do this or not just go for it you have nothing to lose he was the first person that i thought of and that's what i did i went for it i decided i have nothing to lose and you know i was so excited to invite him to my graduation when i did graduate i was like i can't wait you know what a you know what a i want a surprise coach frickle another surprise that that we have that I have planned because because of what he gave to us and and how he inspired us and because there's no way in a million years that we could ever repay him my friend and I Natasha Harris at the time of the pandemic when it first started we were talking about how so many kids had so, so so many needs and we were so lucky to have had great mentors in our lives that we decided to put together a nonprofit in honor of those mentors and coach Frickle was the main person that we talked about um, when putting together this nonprofit the three agents of change we are currently in the process of becoming a 501c and with Our gift to Coach Frickle was to, um, you know, show him that, you know, our nonprofit is to give back what he gave to us and that mentorship works, you know, everyone that was there at the funeral, he guided, he mentored, and he helped, and we were all better off for it. I'm sorry, Coach Frickle, that you won't be able to be here in person to see how we are going to honor you and how we're going to maintain your legacy, but we're going to do it. Um, through our nonprofit. We have decided that we're going to create a a um, Coach Frickling and Coach Aggie Foundation. Um, the Coach Frickle, I'm sorry, the Coach Frickle um, Foundation is going to be put. It's going to be put in place because Frickle, you know, my biggest thing in junior high is that I didn't have tennis shoes because I didn't want to be a burden when it came to asking my parents for running shoes. Coach Frickle bought me running shoes all through high school. Track shoes, cross country shoes. He paid for camp. He paid for for so many things. And Coach Frickle's foundation will continue to do the same. What I know that he would have still have been doing today is helping those in need, regardless of of who you are. And his foundation will be helped to sponsor college applications, which he also paid for me, or to help a kid with running shoes, or to help pay... um, a kid's camp fees or if someone wants to go to science camp, math camp I know that Coach Frickle would have reached into his pocket and just do that and that's what our foundation is going to be all about I will keep you all posted on that when it happens, I'm going to reach out to everyone who was inspired by Coach Frickle and um, let's keep his legacy alive through us if you want to find a way to repay him, repay him through his foundation, because it's going to go into for good use. I already have people who are waiting to give me something to start this. We have to become a 501c, and when I do, I will be reaching out, and I will be making an announcement. And um, this is for you, Coach. Thank you. I was lucky to have met you. It's going to be hard to not have you here on big moments. But I know that you'll be here in spirit. So I thank everyone for listening to me. I think I did pretty good, right? Not crying throughout the whole thing. I will keep you all in tune and thank you for um, listening to me and um, have a great day. Goodbye.